I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Good morning. Welcome to Look Ma No Hands. It is Friday, March 5th, and I am airing this episode slightly later in the day than I am used to. I promised two podcast episodes. This is a promise I made to myself. I'm trying to stick to it. It has been harder than I would have imagined, but I thought, you know what, better late than never. So I am going to share this um, today. Friday, I know, is a day where most of us are sort of trailing off for the weekend. But um, if you listen to it at any time, hopefully it'll be relevant to you wherever you are. Um, My interview today is with Wendy Snyder. She's a positive parenting coach whom you may have heard of. She's also the founder of Fresh Start Family Online. And I think you're going to really enjoy a lot of what she has to say. She um, has two of her own children and um, in the beginning of their lives was really, really struggling with her own generational trauma, which is something I love to talk about on this show. I am all about healing the generational trauma, um, which I have found is a journey that never ends for me. It just continues. Um, More about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, she was raised in um, a a certainly challenging way, which she talks about. And um, once her children were born, those things started to play out and she really felt like one of her children in particular, she called her child a Pia to her husband, a pain in the ass. Um, she really just felt like her child was completely unmanageable and was driving her insane. And, um, you know, she was doing all the things that were done to her to try to discipline her child and ultimately stumbled across these parenting courses, which really changed the entire trajectory of her life and her parenting. Um, and now she talks about Uh, Many of the tools that she learned, including um, some of the tools from her Firm and Kind Parenting Strategy and Course, which is available on her website, Fresh Start Family Online. I'm going to put all of her resources here in the show notes. So if you're interested in taking any of her courses, you can. I loved hearing what she had to say and her perspective. I actually implemented some of the tools that she shared with me in our episode with my daughter Um, after we had a conversation, you'll hear me run through a scenario with her, which I love doing with my podcast guests. I just feel so lucky that I have access to these people who I can share some of my challenges and experiences with them and they can get back to me, um, in front of you all so that maybe if you're experiencing something similar, you can use the tools that they share. But one of the things that I've been struggling with when I interviewed Wendy was my child, my four and a half year old just doesn't want to put her own clothes on in the morning. She knows how to do it. Um, but it's always a back and forth between us. She really doesn't want to. She wants me to get her dressed. And on top of that, I'm getting her sister dressed. So it's hard for her to understand why I can't get her dressed too, that she's the big girl. And um, Wendy went through some strategies for me, um, which were all along the positive parenting guidelines of just really building her up and, and making her feel really proud of herself when she puts on a piece of clothing. And it's definitely been tedious. It's not something that's happened overnight, but I have found that her willingness to get dressed on her own um, has definitely increased and things have gotten better. And I've just been her little cheerleader in the morning. That being said, Wendy talks about, you know, getting away from bribery as a parenting 
tool. And I just want everyone to know I bribe my children sometimes. I am not perfect. I don't think it's the worst thing in the entire world. And this morning, Selma didn't want to put her pants on, but she wanted two of the chocolate chip muffins that you know, I bought at the grocery store in her lunchbox and I told her that the muffins weren't going in her lunchbox if she didn't put her pants on and she put them on. So I think sometimes, you know, it's not, we hear about these things, you know, we shouldn't be doing as parents. And I'm, I'm sure Wendy, Wendy's not here to say she would agree with me, but um, I'm sure most people would agree, even if they come on here and they're the expert of all parenting experts, that we do the best that we can at the time. And that there's, you know, we have these tools in our toolbox and we strive to use them as often as we can. But sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And please don't for a second think that I'm not doing that because I certainly am. I follow this account on Instagram, which you might follow yourself since they have 1.3 million followers, followers in the past year. They're called Big Little Feelings, and they actually live here in Denver, Colorado. I absolutely love their account. They are so honest and so real, and they share actual usable parenting tools um, frequently. So it's like constantly in my face, so I'm not reading a book, putting it down, and forgetting what I learned. And one of the founders of Big Little Feelings shared yesterday, like, I snap at my children. I lose my shit. Like, it happens all the time. I give them yogurt with sprinkles for dinner more nights than not. And one of the things she shares about is giving her kids, like, Greek yogurt with colorful sprinkles so that they'll eat the yogurt as a sort of dinnertime hack. And I do that with my children all the time. And I keep thinking every time I make them that meal or add yogurt to their meal, that yogurt with sprinkles, I mean... Um, that I must be doing it so much more frequently than anybody else. And she talks about how she does it all the time. She snaps at her kids. Like everyone here is human and we're just trying to do our best. And um, I always want to preface with that. Um, I, I really believe as far as any advice goes, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. If something really works for you and resonates with your soul, go for it, use it. Um, if something makes you feel bad and if something makes you feel like you're not doing a good enough job, um, you're doing a great job and you can just put that down. You don't have to pick that up. Um, and I think that's been a really valuable thing for me throughout my life, just to remember that I don't have to subscribe to absolutely everything I hear. I don't have to do it perfectly, but I can learn these tools and tricks along the way um, that can make my life a little bit easier. And um, I'm totally here for that. I also wanted to share something a little bit personal with all of you. Um, because I just found it to be so valuable and I had never heard somebody put words to something that I had been feeling in such an articulate way. I, um, I recently moved to Basalt, Colorado, as you know, and, um, I have had, I have been in therapy on and off probably my entire life. I feel like, but certainly since I was 12. Um, but when I got here, uh, it became apparent to me that, um, in my journey as a parent and as a, per as a person, it was time for me to start working with somebody new here in Basalt that I didn't have to zoom with or somebody that I could see in person, um, particularly around healing my generational trauma and my family trauma. And, um, there must be something about being on my own in the mountains with my family that has definitely brought up, um, a lot of what I experienced as a child that I don't want my children to experience. And that urgency that I felt, um, the sort of protective instinct started to feel overwhelming to me. And my anxiety has been really, really intense, um, since we got here. And so I decided to reach out and, um, find somebody to help me with that. And I'm so grateful that I did. And I've only been to this woman two times, but she specializes in something called EMDR therapy. So if you have any type of trauma, particularly childhood trauma, which is what she specializes in, she, um, helps you process that through, um, this sort of therapy in which, you know, there's a vibrational tool, which is, um, going back and forth between both of your hands and you're kind of processing, 
um, things that happen to you while you're holding on to this vibrating mechanism. It's way more than I could possibly explain on this podcast. If you're interested in it, I highly recommend um, doing some research on it because it's very cool and very, very eye-opening. But as I was telling her some of the way that I feel every day and what my anxiety has been like, particularly as a parent in this pandemic world that we live in, she was saying that for somebody like me, and I just want you to listen to this. She was saying that for somebody like me, telling me to go home and repeat a mantra like I am love or love is all around me or I have everything I need and meditate for 20 minutes would be mean. She used the word mean. Um, So if you've ever been scrolling through Instagram and there's some sort of self-help guru who's telling you to repeat some sort of mantra like that or that meditation will change your life and all it does is make you feel more anxious even thinking about doing it, I just want you to know that you're not alone. I've never been able to put words to that, but mean was the perfect thing. Um, Mean was the perfect word. She actually gave me some actual physical exercises that I can do like once a day for 15 minutes a day that are in line with EMDR therapy, but she's guiding me through it and she's helping me with it and she's there for me. And it's like a comforting, wonderful experience as opposed to some of the experiences that I've had being on Instagram and like seeing a mantra that like, apparently I should be able to repeat this 85 times and then I'm going to feel better and not have anxiety. And I've, I've carried the anxiety that I have since my first daughter was born, um, you know, give or take, like it's come and gone. It's been a journey. Um, but I love that she said that. And I think I, I can't, I know that I'm not the only person who needs to hear that, that we sort of live in this self-help generation. Um, you know, we go online and, and we're supposed to find something on Google or on Instagram or some sort of guru is supposed to tell us what to do. And we should be able to fix everything that's challenging for us in like 15 minutes. And there's something wrong with us if we can't. And, um, for me, I know that the other side of my anxiety is not a mantra away by any stretch. And that having somebody that I can work with has just been really an invaluable tool for me throughout my life. Um, and that that type of person changes, you know, my current therapist is nothing like the first one that I worked with and that our needs change and evolve over time. Um, and the journey continues, you know, I've been working on this stuff since I was a teenager and, um, having children brought all of it to the surface in a completely different way. And I've had a lot of resistance to quote, working on it or processing it because I feel like, you know, I've already done so much of this. Like I've already read so many books. I've already been to so much therapy. Um, but I think once I've, once I surrendered to like, this is an ongoing journey and there's more of this that I need to heal. And that's part of it. That's, that's totally normal. Um, I have felt like a lot more free and a lot better. So I just felt like called to share that here. If that's something that you relate to, um, as I think a lot of us have been like on our screen, really isolated during this pandemic. And it can feel like what's wrong with me. What am I doing wrong? Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And um, whatever help you feel like you need, you deserve to get it. And um, I'm certainly not shy about any of the help that I've gotten. So you're welcome to send me a message directly and ask me a little bit about that. I'm always um, more than happy to share that with you. Um, She also said something that actually had like tears running down my face uh, yesterday, which I was shocked. I felt this much emotion um, when, when she brought this up, but just about how much like fight, flight, or freeze we're all in just even going outside of your house and seeing somebody wear a mask, that that's sort of like this traumatizing experience in and of itself, because it's saying danger, there's danger, there's danger. So especially when you're a mother, especially when you have that lion bear, like lion mama bear hormone, um, activated all the time. And then you're also in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I just started sobbing just for how, frantic this year has made me feel 
um, subconsciously. And I had no idea that I had that much inside of me um, around that. I had no idea that I was um, that traumatized by what we've experienced in this past year. And I think we all really deserve space to feel that and honor that. Um, I think because of the gravity of this pandemic. I can't tell you how many people have sent me messages recently saying like, you know, they went through the Houston freeze and they're like, well, other people had it so much worse than me. So I really can't complain. But, and I'm like, what, since when is somebody else suffering mean that you didn't suffer? And I think we all do that, right? We all think that our pain isn't necessarily relevant because somebody else just has it so much worse, but it still exists and it still deserves its time in the sun. And we still deserve to be able to talk about it. Um, so if that's you, um, you know, your pain is real and, um, your feelings are real and it's okay. Whatever it is that you're experiencing is valid, no matter what anybody around you is experiencing. Um, and you're doing a really wonderful job. So without any further ado, here's my guest, Wendy Snyder. Sorry. Without any further ado, here is my guest for today. Wendy Snyder. So grateful to have had her on and excited for you to hear her message. Here goes. I am honored, thrilled, excited to bring you my guest today, Wendy Snyder. She is the founder of Fresh Start Family. I can't tell you how many times Wendy and I have planned on recording this episode. It's such a metaphor for COVID <laughs> and parenting during this time, how many times both of us have had to reschedule, but I'm so grateful that she could join me today. Wendy is a positive parenting teacher and family coach. She helps families parent with great purpose and intention by creating healthy, respectful, and cooperative relationships. She's a certified parent educator of redirecting children's behavior, also known as RCB, and an advocate for families. She is a mother to two vibrant children and dedicated to the application of positive parenting in her home since 2009. So we're going to learn more about what that is and how she applies it. She discovered the work of positive parenting when she was challenged and overwhelmed with the many trials of parenthood early in her motherhood experience. I think many of us can relate to that. The endless opportunities for practice, Failure, learning, and growth have created a deep fluency for Wendy in the language and curriculum of redirecting children's behavior. And on top of all that, one thing used to describe Wendy in every bio I've read about her is that she is a relentless encourager of parents and their families. And just having spoken to her for about five minutes before we connected, I can tell you that that's absolutely true. So Wendy, thank you for joining me today and welcome to Look Ma No Hands. Thank you, Laura, so much for having me. And yes, I love how we've just been, it been passing grace back and forth to one another as we've had to like be persistent and perseverant to get this interview done. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, it's true. I think this entire year has about been about giving myself more grace than I could possibly have imagined doing, which has been such a lesson in parenting and communicating with other people, right? Was there something yeah. that happened in your journey as a parent? You have two children. Yeah. Was there a moment where you said, hey, I can't do things the way I'm doing them anymore? Or did you bring both of your children into the world and say, this is the way I'm going to parent them? Oh my gosh. I sure thought I knew that this was going to wait to the way I parented them. When I brought my first into the world, I really, you know, the way I tell the story is my husband and I just really thought like, this is going to be pretty easy because he thought I was great with kids, which I was. I worked like for since I was 13 years old as a springboard diving coach. I nannied. I was just like, I was good with kids, you know? Yeah. And we thought together, we've been together for 26 years forever since I was 17 years old. And we got so lucky, fell in love super early. But we 
thought to ourselves, like, if you put your head down and you work hard and, um, you know, you invest in education or you're willing, willing to work for things and good things will come to you. And it's just kind of how it works. Right. And then, so we just, I think we went into parenthood expecting that we would like know what to do and it was all going to fall into place and we would be able to like build that, like how we, how we wanted. And we got blessed with a super strong-willed little girl, our first. And I swear to you, Laura, you could feel her strength from the time she was born. She survived. I survived a very, very traumatic birth, emergency C-section, torn placenta, absent birth. I was unconscious when she came into the world. And um, thank God she had that strong will because I truly believe to this day that it helped her survive and it helped me survive because I am just like my daughter. I'm very, very strong willed and I've learned to love that about myself. So, um, so yeah, I think um, as the years went on, she became a toddler and um, I decided to leave my career. Um, I was in corporate America doing great, loving my career, but I decided it was time to stay home with my babies. And that's when kind of the S hit the fan. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Cause I think a lot of people are experiencing, but a lot of people are staying home with their babies when they're not really, yes. that was not their intention. And the S is hitting the fan. So yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that season, um, it was wild. So I just, we, I decided to stay home and we let our nanny go, who was like our angel. She was the most amazing nanny on the planet. And we said goodbye to her. And I just expected, okay, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be at the beach every day. We live in San Diego, California. Kids are going to nap. House is going to be clean. I'm just like, I'm so lucky, right, to be able to do yeah. this, which I was. Um, but, oh, my gosh. So at that time, I had a second little um, boy who also had colic, just like my first. So the first, like, few years for me were just very kind of felt very traumatic. Two so babies had, with colic. I mean, that's, I like, that's traumatizing. How does that happen? I don't like, know. I couldn't You're believe supposed it. to only was, get one with, with oh, colic. so bitter yeah. about it too. I was just like, this sucks. What? So yeah, she, yeah, I was staying home. She was um, just embarking on the many challenges of toddlerhood. He was screaming all day. My husband work, was working like an hour and a half away. And um, I could tell that I was starting to like spiral down into just this pit of despair where every single morning, no joke, like she, there was a, a good few months where she would come down the stairs. And at the time, like she had this, she had, wouldn't let us brush her hair. She like was so sensitive to everything like could only wear a certain type of diaper would had to sleep naked she would come down the stairs and she would like look at me and like growl and then she'd look at daddy and be like hi daddy and I was like I don't like this kid I am like miserable the baby's gonna cry all day and I would just look at my husband I'd be like seriously like I don't know like how I'm gonna do this do you have to go to work and it was just such a weird mix of emotions because again like I thought that I was like you know, like could do anything I put my head to. I'd done well in college. I was like a straight A student. I was like good with athletics. I was whatever. I'd moved across country and started a new life with, with Terry, but holy smokes, when it came to the parenting thing, I was like, I have no idea how to make this child listen better, how to stop pushing back so bad. So like before long, my whole view of her was like, she's sassy. She's disobedient. She doesn't listen well. She's difficult. She's um, just a pain in the ass. I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on Oh, this. of course you can. <laughs> okay, well, I find that when you have a child, you know, I have a very, I have a highly spirited daughter myself. And sometimes yeah. she wakes in the, up in the morning and growls at me too. That was really funny. Yeah. I, I noticed the anticipation of her sometimes coming up the stairs and immediately expressing frustration is something I anticipate 
in a very negative way. And, and yeah. those things you just used to describe her when you were thinking of her more negatively, um, I found like the only thing that does is actually cause me harm in the way that I yeah. raise her. If I, I view her like that word you use, like disobedient, like she just can't follow the rules. Yeah. She can't. And the sensitivity, the certain type of diaper and how it can really create resentment, especially when you're waking up in the morning and you're being greeted with frustration. So tell us what, what, what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. I remember coining the term PIA. Like, oh yeah, she's a PIA. Yeah. Like, a PIA. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, before long, like she was in timeouts 50 times a day. I was like doing everything under the sun that I could try to make her change. I was at every doctor's appointment thinking she's got, something's got to be wrong with her. Like um, I even Googled like, is she possessed? And um, yeah. And thank God, thank God. The I got invited to a positive parenting class that was offered free at her preschool, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about having so many like free workshops for families all over the world through my business now. But I got introduced to it. I, I started attending a free class and within the first few sessions, it was like the light just started to come back and to my days and it felt like the clouds parted and I was starting to understand. Like, it's so funny telling this story. It like brings up emotion in me because I, I remember just being like, so grateful that I wasn't alone because I truly did think I was just alone. And no, it was like a hidden thing. Like you, if you would see me at the grocery store, I was in the best shape of my life. I was supposed to be so happy, but yet I was freaking miserable. I was miserable. And I was like, what's wrong with me? I should know what to do here. So as soon as I started going to those classes, I just started to learn a, a new way of seeing her, of understanding what that strong will was all about, realizing that I was completely capable of changing my paradigm and shifting uh, my mindset around her because I was kind of embrace, you know, embracing an old school, untruthful, um, non-healthy way of seeing her and, and working with her. So I started to change the way I talked to her, the way I communicated, the way um, I disciplined her was like, everything started to change. I started to have more self-control and more self-regulation through the things I was learning in the positive parenting course room. And, um, and then within a few months and within a year or two, everything changed for our family. She started to behave so much better. Our relationship got repaired. Um, and I just knew I had to teach this stuff. And that's when I became an educator and then later went on to um, found uh, Fresh Start Families so I could help families all over the world. When you talked about how, you know, you had these very old school beliefs about the way that she was, that she was, a, she didn't know how to behave herself. There was something wrong with her. I, yeah. my husband calls our generation, the sandwich generation, because we were raised primarily by the boomers and, um, just generally, they were a pretty self-focused generation. Um, the kids were supposed to be seen and not heard, right? That's what we heard. Yeah. And, and we are almost told the exact opposite as far as the way we raise our own children. We try to give them so much presence, so much of what they need. And then there's us in the middle. And many of us were traumatized. I certainly was um, by a lot of the old school parenting tactics that I try every day, you know, not to impart on my own children. Do you think that part of why you felt this way towards your own child had to do with some of your own upbringing? Was that generational or is that just cultural? Heck yes. Oh my gosh. And, and to this day, I'm so thankful for the upbringing, right? Like I always say to families, um, you know, our parents, they did what they could with the tools that they had during that generation, right? And now we're blessed with all of this like wealth of knowledge. You can literally hop on 17 
live streams and Zooms today probably to learn more about positive parenting tools and ways to get people to listen that doesn't involve yeah. fear and force, right? But they didn't have that. But yeah, looking back, I mean, I had an, an older brother um, who is a huge part of the reason why I'm a teacher now. He was five years older than me, um, super power driven, very strong willed, very kinesthetic, just like my daughter. It's hilarious. He had a son, he had the most mellow, easygoing son ever. And I got Stella. And I was like, wait a second, you were the pain in the ass, brother, but you were supposed to get the hard one. But yeah, it's like growing up watching him and watching my parents struggle with him. And it was gnarly. Like there would yeah. be like the fights that would go down and then you'd sit down at the breakfast table and it was like, good morning. Would you like syrup on your pancakes? And it was like, screw this. Like, what are we going to freaking talk about what just like, happened? Like last yeah. night, like Pete ran away and like, I don't know, there was like hitting and, you know, screaming and shaming. What's wrong with you? You're the worst. Like, and yeah, corporal punishment. I remember um, running like vivid memories of like running around our house, um, around our wood stove with like my dad and the paddle and arguments when I was a teenager where I would like, you know, physically get into it with him and I'd fall off and like cut my leg really bad. Like, again, growing up, you hear that term, like, um, I'm fine. I grew up with that and I'm fine. And I realized as I got older, I don't want to be just fine. And fine to me was like, we're surviving the day. I didn't want to just survive the day with my kids. Like I knew God was like whispering in my heart that there is a way to thrive, to find joy, even in the heavy seasons when you do have a strong-willed toddler and they're in a power surge stage of life and it's difficult to get them in the car or get them to eat their vegetables or whatever it is, you can still find so much joy and abundance in those seasons um, and learn how to view mistakes as opportunities to learn and how to mentor instead of force. Like I just knew I was meant for more that, that I wasn't, I didn't want to settle for just fine. And then, yeah, over the last 10 years that I've gotten really involved um, in the life coaching work that I now teach and obviously the parenting work, I was able to heal so much, like so many layers of the artichoke got peeled back to, to reveal my true self. And but my true self is awesome. <laughs> let's, I think your true self is awesome too, Wendy. Thank you. Let's talk about that generational trauma and that healing. Um, because we skip that way too much in our society. I've got Instagram accounts that I follow about raising my wonderful children and um, how to raise them. I've got almost nothing talking about how it feels to do that when I was raised in a very different way. Um, and so I, I often think that like healing trauma is sort of a private thing that people do. We seek counseling, but we don't talk about it very much. And I've been talking about it more openly lately, and I am hearing from so many more people that it's something that they identify with. So what does it look like? We can't just go and read a positive parenting book and impart all these tools without doing healing on our own. So what does that process look like? Yeah. So I think it's, it's good to look at that word trauma, right? Because I think it scares a lot of people. And I am, you know, I'm not a teacher who's like a PhD in psychology or anything. I'm a very, I like, I like to be a very layman's type teacher. I want to support families who want to understand psychology on a very easy to understand level or even like big words like trauma. I feel like they're very clinical, but really when you look at them from like a layman's terms, if that's mm -hmm. the, the right word for it, layman's, trauma is just kind of the crap that happened to you or that you never got. So there's two types of trauma, right? The, the stuff that you were like, whoa, that should have never happened to you. No child deserves that. It's, it's not okay. And you know, 
let's get on a path to heal from it. And then there's the, the trauma B, which is like, you know, just the unconditional love that was maybe never in your home, the safety, like so many of us grew up with like a, there is danger. If you make a mistake, there's a good chance you are going to get physically and definitely emotionally hurt yes, as we're coming down the pipeline, as soon as yeah. dad gets home or whatever it is. So the safety, the unconditional love, um, that kind of stuff is an example of like the things you didn't get, right? So all of it can kind of stay in our bodies for a long time if we don't find a way to heal from it. So one of my favorite and easiest ways to do it is to actually get in community and just speak it aloud. So when you speak it aloud and when you identify it, it loses its power. It's like shining a light on it. And then the shame is often associated with this stuff. It just kind of falls off of us. And then we are empowered to move forward with creating the change that we want to do, or just not, like you said, you, you really, maybe your story isn't you're trying to change like mine was, because I was deep in like just repeating the same things that happened to me in my home, the yelling, screaming, threatening, scolding, grabbing wrist too tight, um, spanking, uh threatening all that kind of stuff um i wanted to change but it sounds like you're like more like i just don't want to dip down into that whatever it is it's um you're more empowered when you can do that um in a way where you feel like you actually can succeed so when you get in community that's huge so this podcast is a way of creating community so every single listener that is listening right now if you know, whatever like went down in your family growing up, it is, it is sacred to speak it aloud, right? It is like, you're here, you're going to hear us talk about it today and you don't need to hide it. You're not the only one. You're not the, um, you know, you're not alone in thinking as you got older, that's, it's not okay that that happened. It's not okay. That was done to me. And that's what we do in my membership group, which is really beautiful. So inside of that is where when families have questions, we often, they might have a question that's like, Hey, like, I don't get it. Like, I can't, I can't figure out how to do the pause button or the heart connector, which is a tool we use to create a space between stimulus and response. They'll say, I can't figure this out because like, how is this possible when you have three kids and two of them are hitting each other and one is like screaming and the spaghetti is burning or something like, it seems like a very like surface level question. And often our staff of coaches and me, when I do my live coaching with them, we'll go deeper and say, what is it that's happening? So we'll, we'll help families look at protection versus learning behaviors, which is another way of thinking about is open versus closed. So protection behaviors will be something you usually do pretty fast. And it's to protect yourself from usually feeling a certain way that oftentimes when you were young was unsafe. So you had to like do anything to not feel that or not, you know, so there's a lot to look at that there. But my point is when you do it as a community, instead of in a private setting, it really, I think happens a lot faster for people that the shame falls off and the empowerment builds up. So when you talk about positive parenting, which we're going to get into in a minute, actual anecdotes for what to do in certain situations from a positive parenting perspective, I think a lot of people hear that term in terms like it and think, well, what about boundaries? What about limits? What about consequences? One thing I noticed on your website, though, is you talk a lot about that. You talk about firmness. That's a word that you use. So positive parenting is not the absence of boundaries. It's actually very, boundaries are very important. So can you talk about how that is still somehow incorporated in a positive parenting approach? 
Yeah. So we are all about helping families find the middle ground between too firm and too kind. And really there is no too kind in this world, but that what represents permissiveness. So permissiveness is like the kids rule the roost. There's no boundaries. You easily cave in. If they don't want to wear their helmet, you're like, fine. It's, a, it's okay. Yeah. And then too firm is like the authoritarian autocratic stuff, my way, their highway. Um, lots of fear and force, intimidation, threats, all that kind of stuff, power over. And then right in the middle is firm and kind, where you firm are and confident and connected, where you have um, connection over correction as your goal. Your relationship is your biggest driver to influence your children. It's not the tactics or the strategies, but it's actually the strong, mutually respectful, mutual trust-based relationship where your kids are inspired by you. They look up to you. They're like, oh my God, I want to be just like mom and dad when I grow up mm -hmm. because man, they inspire me. They stick to their limits. They, um, they teach us, they, they have compassion for us. They have empathy for us. It just feels good from a humanity level and it works incredibly well on kids. People, I think, um, think you have to have that kind of power over. Like if you give kids um, an inch, they'll take a mile mentality. And it's, it's really not true. The more actually you empower your children and the more you teach them intrinsic internal control methods, the, the sooner that they're able to do what they're supposed to do on their own when you're not looking. And that's really what we aim for here because all the external controls in the world that come with the, the traditional kind of too firm autocratic way, they usually don't produce um, the, the children that are, they have the strong intrinsic motivation they, it, because somebody else always makes them do it. If, if somebody catches you, you're gonna have to do it differently. So let me run you through this scenario that I'm a little bit familiar with, and you can tell me what you would do yeah. in the same situation. So I have a four and a half year old who very much, she definitely knows how to dress herself, right? But she still wants me to do it. She sees me dressing her two-year-old sister in the morning. It's always the longest, hardest part of her morning to have her dress herself. So she starts whining and complaining and telling me that she doesn't know how to do it and she doesn't want to, and it takes a lot longer because of the whole process. And eventually she finally does get dressed and come up the stairs. What does it look like to intrinsically motivate a child like that to actually dress themselves and come upstairs yeah. without being asked 2,500 times? Yes, oh my goodness. And is this the one you describe as the power kid? Yes. Okay, cool. And she's five? She's about, she's four and a half. Yeah, she's four and a half. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the, the first thing we learn to do is to slow down and seek to understand. So, and the paradigm shift is really important in the beginning. So instead of thinking like she loves to push back, she loves to not get dressed, she's like, she knows exactly what she's doing. That will like jack you up as far as mindset goes and just cause you to feel irritated and annoyed. And you'll you end up using a tone. She'll feel oh, it. Oh, totally. I can feel struggle. Yeah. Every time I yeah. go into her room in the morning, I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, she's going to do the thing to me again. Yes. She's doing it. It's, so, that's my approach. Go ahead. Yeah. So really empowerment is the ticket with these kids. But the, the steps you want to take is you want to start slowing down, seeking to understand. And what we learn in this work is that all human beings have underlying needs. And some of them are the need to feel powerful. Yes, it's a human healthy need. Our power kids have it more than others. The need to belong, not feel like you're a freaking alien in a family. Like those, this happens so much to the kids that are strong-willed because it's like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just be better? Why can't you just listen easier? Like you need to live 
on a different planet because in this planet, everyone is different, right? Like that's a perfect example of how we drain from the like belonging bucket and then that causes misbehavior. So they need to belong, they need to um, feel powerful, they need to feel unconditionally loved. These are just some examples, but those underlying needs when they're not met by, because it's life, it's human life, you, you gotta figure out how to get your needs met in an appropriate way they, children will misbehave and actually adults will misbehave. So we slow down, we seek to understand, and then we start to understand that there's different categories of misbehavior. So again, like traditionally people are just like, oh, she's being sassy. She's being disobedient. She's pushing back. She's not listening. And we, we're like, well, sure. But what is actually going on? underneath of the misbehavior. What is the root cause of misbehavior? And there's four different categories, attention, power, revenge, and avoidance. And the way you figure that out is by asking yourself, how am I feeling? You as the mom. So if she's doing attention, which means she has a mistaken, below, mistaken belief and goal that when you look her in the eye and you're playing dolls with her, that's when you love her. When she's like alone taking a self-calming break because she needs to chill out, because her sister, you know, she's hit her sister, she's not loved, she's alone, she doesn't have your attention. Like we teach kids a whole different thing there. But that's attention. You feel irritated and annoyed. This is the classic, like, mama, 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 look, look at me, look at me, look at me. Power is different. Power, you're gonna feel provoked and challenged. And it's gonna be like, oh, I will make you put on your clothes. So, wow. oh, you, you're saying no? You're saying no by dancing on the bed when I asked you five times to put on your clothes? Like, okay, now I'm going to make you because later on, you're not going to have a show. You're not going to get this. And um, do you want to get in trouble? Do you want to have a timeout? Like that's overpowering a child. And then these kids learn, they develop a mistaken belief when they do power misbehavior that in order to feel powerful, I must overpower others often because that's what's been modeled to them. So that's power. And then revenge is when you feel hurt and angry. This is when the classic like kids hit, kick, bite, say, I hate you. And then avoidance is if she was like in a puddle of tears on the ground and like in the corner hiding because she feels like she can't get dressed on her own. So obviously I'm pretty sure that if you had to ask yourself out of those four categories, which one you feel and I'll just give you the two. Is it provoked and challenged, like you will make her? Or is it irritated and annoyed, like she's just like annoying you? It's provoked and challenged, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. then as a parent, you're like empowered because you're like, oh, okay, cool. I know this isn't about all those other things. This is just about my daughter wanting to feel powerful because she is a future leader. She is the next generation of leaders and holy smokes, I have the honor of supporting and mentoring her as she grows up. Like Sheryl Sandberg says in her, her book, Lean In, CEO of Facebook, still to this day, I think, that if we mentored so-called bossy little girls, instead of calling them bossy, the whole world would be different, right? Like, it's like, how do we mentor these kids to teach them, like, that actually doesn't work to influence others. But she's, she just wants to be in charge. She wants to lead. And I know that sounds scary for parents when I say, oh, the kid just wants to be in charge. Don't worry. We're not like putting queen, you know, things on the kids and being like, you're in charge now of the house, but no, yes, but how we, do we give them that feeling so that they yeah. want to cooperate? Yeah. So we build in different ways. So a few different um, ideas just off the top of my head for this little situation is you empower her as much as possible. You give her jobs, you make her president of um, her 
closet the night before. Proactiveness is huge. Like giving her, get, letting her pick out the night before the two different options and then putting it back on her and just chilling out and giving her the option until she's ready and you walking away and disengaging. Um, but kids love the big terms like president of the closet or president of the wardrobe or vice president of uniforms for the day, um, those kind of things. And yeah, choices are massive. Choices you can make them really fun, especially with the little ones. Do you want to get dressed fast like a cheetah or um, slow like a turtle, right? It's one of my favorite they characters. Get to, they get to decide. Yes. They get to decide. And you detach. Detachment is another tool we use where it's like, you just remember that these are kids and they're not out to get us. It sure seems like it, like they're just really out to get us. Um, but they're just trying to figure out how to do this thing called life. And these, especially these power kids, they, they hate being told what to do. They, they like in a situation where there's any type of compliance statements all the time, like get up, put on your shoes, brush your teeth, get out of bed, get in bed, stay in the bath, get out of the bath, stand up, sit down, do your homework. They're just like coming out of their skin. Yes, and I know I'm what like that wiggling. feels like. Yeah. yeah. I know what that feels like yeah. because that's me. Like if yeah. you, if I'm around you and you're trying to influence me and you just tell me what to do, I'm like, yeah. yeah. But if you're like, Hey, Wendy, like, I want you to come to the table. I know you're so gifted with all these ideas. What do you think would be best for this or that? You know, like I'm just, I thrive in that environment. So it's the same with kids. So choices are really fun. I have a whole um, lesson inside my bonfire membership um, library about choices. Like every single situation you can imagine, Beth, bath, bedtime, eating dinner, getting in the car, doing your homework, like here's all the choices you can get. And here's what I want you to, to know, Laura, and all your listeners to understand. When you empower children in the home, it, it, I know it can be a worry and it can seem like you're going to raise these kids that are like, I always need a choice. Like, give me choices, world. And it's actually not the case. So that we find that the more children are empowered in the home, the less they demand it out in the world because their buckets are filled. They're not running on empty all the time within the home. And then they go out into the world and they get on the playground and they're like, I'm going to push this kid because that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm low, like my, you know, whatever. Or they're like going to talk over the teacher or say something unkind, like whatever it is. Um, they, they demand it less in the world when you empower them in the home. Um, because they're they're filled up. So those are just some ideas, but yeah, proactivity is a huge one. I love proactivity with the power kids because they like to know what to expect. So if at a calm time at bedtime, you could say to her, hey, I know sometimes getting dressed in the morning can be a challenge for both of us. I have trouble staying calm. You have trouble just getting dressed because you love jammies. Of course you love jammies. So does everybody. Everybody loves jammies. Yeah. So what can we do tomorrow to make it more smooth? So we get faster out to the sledding hill or we like we we make it to the play date with our buddies if you're going skiing we make it there on time like what can we do to work as a team so we like get this dialed in like I need your help you are a like high level part of this family what you do matters and I'm grateful for your support because when you contribute we have a more peaceful morning I can't do this without you and it's not just bs it's actually true like our children if we train them from a young age that they are team members and that they matter they will thrive especially the power kids so let's say you know I mean one thing I love to ask any expert coach who comes onto this show 
is when is it too late, right? So many people listening are maybe have an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, whatever at home, and they've been doing things in a certain way for a really long time. Is it ever really too late to change the way that we engage with our children? I mean, you talked about the thoughts and the conclusions that some kids draw from being in these power struggles with their parents. They get these incorrect ideas that in order to get power over somebody else, they have to hit somebody on the playground or whatever it is. When, you know, is it possible for us to change the way that we approach the way that we parent and have our kids really take that in, even if we've spent a certain amount of time during doing things in another way? Yes. If I had like a megaphone and a confetti machine, I would scream it from the mountaintops and confetti would drop from the sky all over your listeners. Yes, yes, yes. I have a story I'll tell you real quick. And, you know, some may view it as sad. I don't. I view it as beautiful. But my dear mentor, um, her name's Susie Walton. Um, She was, she had been a teacher in this area for 25 years now, but she told me a beautiful story once of a dad who was actually a, um, a cop and he had been in traditional parenting styles for a long time before he came to her class and Um, His son was a teenager at that time. I think he was like 16 or something and he came and he was like, you know, it's just awful like he doesn't even want to talk to me. He doesn't listen. He stays out all night. Like it's, we're in a bad shape. And she was like, okay, well, the first thing you got to do is reestablish this, this relationship. And she said, um, why don't you find a way to just be alone with him, take him somewhere. And he was like, okay, we'll go camping. And uh, he's like, he's not going to want to go. And Susie somehow empowered him in a way to get this kid to say yes, to go and camping with his dad for the weekend. So they went camping and he said that, um, the first day the kid wouldn't even talk to him. Like their relationship was so jacked up. It was so probably based on fear and force in the past and groundings and taking away stuff and who knows the situation, but it was so jacked up. The kid would even talk to him and they're making, making the fire, doing their thing. But it was just like, he was like, this is miserable. This is like the worst thing ever as change can be in the beginning sometimes, especially if you're used to doing it a much different way, right? Changing habits is hard. So the next day he said, finally, his son started to warm up to him and they started to have some conversations around the campfire. As the weekend went on, they continued. They started, you know, going on hikes together. They were swimming in the ocean together. They were doing all these cool things where the relationship started to mend. And um, he said, by the end of the weekend, they were just felt like they were so close. They had had some really deep opening conversations and, um, and he came back to class and he had told, um, you know, she said, how did it go? And he told her this whole story and she hugged him and she said, well, congratulations. This is just the beginning. Now we got to implement all this stuff because it always starts with the relationship. You have to be willing and humble to kind of, um, have that open heart to say, Hey, where have I contributed? And how am I going to take the first steps? You have to be the one to take the first steps and have courage to do it differently. But the story ends by a few years later, um, Susie saw in the news um, because this cop, I guess, was like um, a friend of hers somehow. And she saw in the news that her, her, um, his son was lost in a motorcycle accident about three years later. And um, she said when she called him, he was just like, she said, I'm so sorry. You know, I heard he's like, you know, thank you. And I can't imagine if I would never have done this, Susie, if I would never come to your class, if I would never have reestablished my relationship because you know, thank God, thank God I chose that weekend to change my ways. And from that day on till the day his son went on from this earth, they were on the mend. They were working hard to be in relationship, but it can change at any minute, right? Like it's never too late. You guys, these are 
human relationships with people that you love don't settle for just fine like get up pull your boots on invest in a program do whatever you need to do but it is never too late to break a painful generational cycle to create the family legacy of your dreams to create memories that you're proud of it's never too late start today <laughs> well, can you remember i'm remembering being a kid when you were telling me that story and how like i mean i can remember being a teenager and still kind of holding out hope that i would be approached differently by my parents yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think, and, and, that, and yet as a parent, you know, with a four and a half year old and a two year old, I'm here replaying my getting dressed in the morning situation thinking, oh no, I've totally messed. She totally thinks that like, you know, whatever it is that I, and, and I think that can discourage a lot of people like from even delving into another way of doing things because the shame can be so unbearable. The stakes feel really high. These are our children, right? It feels like huge. It feels enormous. And the gravity of like what <laughs> a certain mistake can mean in this child's future can feel so big that it's hard to like take the first step. So I always love to ask people that question because I always get the same answer. It's that it's never too late. You can always start again. Kids are open and so susceptible to us doing things in a new and different way that really empowers them. So I feel like I could talk to you for a hundred years, but I'm never going to actually yeah. end up getting to some of the amazing tools that you have in your toolkit. You've already mentioned a few of them, but if you were to give us, you know, a handful of some of your favorite positive parenting tools, um, what would they be that you would want to share with us today? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Definitely the firm and kind process that we have here at Fresh Start Family is pretty magical. This is a four-step process where you combine proactivity and empathy and agreements and choices and the way you communicate with your kids to actually um, you know, follow through on a limit because that's, that's the thing. A lot of people end up caving on their limits or just moving to the threat 90% of the time in order for the kid to comply. But like, how do you actually follow through and do that um, with consistency, holding firm, but also do it with connection? And so that four-step firm, firm and kind process is you make proactive agreements, you um, use empathy as soon as they push back, and then you restate the agreement and you give choices. Those, that is like a big part of the toolkit, one of the hundreds and hundreds of things we teach, but I love that one. Every single week in our, our coaching community, we, we tell people again and again, remember that, remember that? And all the time they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot that, I forgot that. And so I actually teach in depth about that in a program I called, called uh, have called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint, firmandkindparentingblueprint.com. Super easy, affordable program you can hop into and go into the details about that one. But then compassion and discipline, oh my gosh, talk about tools, that's like probably my favorite. I mean, the power struggle stuff is huge. I have a free power struggles class for people. Um, we can put it in the show notes page, Laura, if you want. Um, that's a good one if you have that strong-willed kid and you want to learn like what are the five ways, like kind of what I, a few few of them I went over with you um, about the getting dressed in the morning, like the choices, um, empowering, giving kids big jobs, proactive agreements. I go over more in that class. Um, but then the compassionate discipline is something we teach inside of our foundations course. And that is replaces the punishment mindset, the, tr the traditional fear and force, um, external controls, and that's just beautiful. So a compassionate discipline toolkit includes 
logical consequences instead of traditional punishments. And logical consequences are, um, they have to be related, they have to be respectful, they have to be reasonable. And I forget the four R right now, there's four R's that we say with them, but just the simple act of reminding parents that when, when something's related, it actually will help you teach the life skill versus I'm gonna take away your iPad because you hit your sister. Well, has no connection. No, no connection. Right. It's just to inflict harm. So um, moving through that, so um, logical so consequences. Related, really quickly, a related consequence if my child does hit her sister. Yeah. Um, as you know, we don't hit um, moving the child away from the other child. Um, what are some other things that would be related to hitting that would be a, yeah. a consequence so, or something like that? Yes. So some, some things we love to teach with compassionate discipline. Um, I don't know when this episode's going to air. I have a free class coming up. But anyways, if it, if it airs before that, I'll, uh, I can give you the link to put in the show notes. But um, one of them is a makeup. Another one is a redo. So um, a makeup would be if she hits her sister, then after she self-calms, self you self-calm, which is something you have to teach your kids. It doesn't happen overnight because especially if they're used to being forced to calm down in a timeout. But anyways, after everyone calms down, you work with your child to help them do something that will repair the relationship or make amends. So she could pick flowers. She could draw a picture. She could give her sister a hug. She could um, let her go first in the ice cream line. Like there's tons of things kids can do. We teach that to them by modeling, not by forcing it on our kids and then never doing the same ourselves. Another example um, would be Oh yeah. Um, redos would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not okay. Obviously I'm not okay with that. That's not who you are. You are gentle, kind, you are self-regulated. You have self-control. We always speak truth over our kids. And then we say, we're going to need to redo that situation. And it may be after a while, if everyone's flipping out, nobody can learn when you're in your amygdala. So you have to be, everyone have, needs to chill out first, but then later before you go to the park, before you watch Paw Patrol, you, um, we'll do a redo. And a redo just looks like um, if her sister took her toy, she gets to have the practice of having the self-control and pulling her shirt and stomping her foot and saying, I feel mad or mom, I'm tempted to hit or asking for what she wants. Can you please give my toy back to me? I'm not okay with you taking it out of my hands. Something like that. But redos are highly effective highly effective and they have no purpose to inflict pain or you know have they have no relation to retribution making kids pay the price for their mistake um, but they are held responsible to make amends to repair relationships and to make a different choice tomorrow that's what we all want we all want our children to make a different choice tomorrow Right? And the band-aid of traditional punishment usually just creates shame and it's more of a stop it, what's wrong with you, versus a, hey, you're not alone, here's how to do it differently. We're teaching them, we're their ambassadors. So what's the difference between a time, what is it called? Quiet time, self-calming time, and a timeout? What's yeah, so the difference between self-calming and timeout? So timeout is externally controlled. Normally you're telling them where to go. <laughs> Funny story about this. Stella, when she was little, um, before we learned a different way, we used to sit her down and we'd say, you need to go think about it. You think about what you did wrong. How many things you that, right? How many I remember my parents saying that to me and being like, uh, no. Or like sitting there and kind of like trying to do it and being like, this is stupid. Like just hating it. Yeah. 
So finally, she started to say to us, you go think about it. And it's just such a funny memory because she was like the perfect little mirror of when yeah. the tone she would use back at me. I was like, once I realized, once I became aware and humble, I was like, dang, that's exactly how I sound. Anyways, yeah. okay. So it's, it's all external control. So parent decides how long, where they're going to sit, what they're allowed to do. There's usually some type of shame element of like, what you did was wrong, what you did was bad. You can't do that, but there's not a lot of teaching, right? So um, self-calming is always taught by the parent first. So you have to, to show your kid how to do this probably 10, 20 times, um, especially if you're in a heated moment where you're about to blow your lid. An example would be when your kids hit each other. A lot of us have like sibling drama from when we were growing up. My brother, my older brother was the biggest jerk growing up. Like uh, he used to like just walk by me and punch me, you know, like just oh. classic older brother stuff. And so when Stella does that to Taryn, not that she punches him, when she's unkind in any way, Woo, it's a trigger. I'm like, I fire comes out of my head. And that is the moment you show your kids how to self-calm. It's not like, hey, I'm gonna teach you, child. We're gonna grab our calming kit and our candle and our play-doh and we're gonna you sit down. You show them by actually doing it yourself yeah. when you're feeling it's when when you are literally about to shame your kid. So do you narrate this for them? Like I feel really frustrated and then show them what you're doing to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. In a calm time is the best. And then you're going to say, Hey, I learned this in class and this is what I'm going to start doing. Will you help keep me accountable? Cause you know how in the past I've screamed at you, yelled at you, shamed you, maybe even put you down super hard on a timeout. That is not okay. And I'm learning a different way. You know, that's the way mama was raised, but that's I am, beautiful. I'm not okay doing that anymore. And I need your help to keep me accountable. And they will do that for you and you will learn to say thank you for helping me remember that and then you just get to say hey i need to go walk away right now because i feel like fire is coming out of my head and i don't want to do something or say something that i regret so we'll come back in here in just a minute now of course if kids are physically fighting harming each other we have a whole protocol for that where you know you separate them make sure they're safe but yeah you nap you narrate narrate it you model it um and then every time you don't, you give grace on yourself, but remember to give grace on your kids. Like I was just coaching one of my bonfire members this week. She's like, darn it. I just, he still is so reactive or eight year old. And, and she so humbly and beautifully admits because our group is so vulnerable and so real. Like there is no BS on anything. Like just like three months ago, she threw a candlestick at him. <laughs> She was so frustrated. Oops. I get, I mean, yeah. something when you are triggered by your child, there is almost nothing. I mean, it has turned me into someone I don't recognize. And I, I don't think there's anyone yeah. listening to this. If you're, if you think you can't relate to that, you're, you either haven't gotten there yet or you're lying to yourself. I mean, nobody has not yeah. been in that situation where you just feel like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't handle this. And, and I love that you're saying, you know, by, by figuring out how to calm yourself down in those moments, your kids take note. They have different oh ways to self-calm. What are those ways? Are they taking a it's walk, magical. a deep breath? What are some of the ways that you self-calm? Nature, I was just on a jog with my husband this morning and we were just talking about the power of nature. Like nature soothes everyone's souls, especially our children. Even if you just walk outside, you listen to the birds, you look at the, the sky, you take a deep breath, you touch a tree, you take your shoes off, you get your feet in the snow or the sand, whatever it is, um, that will do wonders. Yeah, you take a deep breath, you can pray, you can, we teach a pause button or a heart connector, which is you put your hand on your heart, you um, think of a healthy intention versus is an unhealthy intention and then you move forward so um 
but there's tons of stuff you can put in your calming bag too. Everyone should have a calming bag in the house that you go immediately grab if you need it. And it can be a candle. It can be a Bible. It can be a journal. It could be a magazine. Like magazines have always brought me such joy. Um, it could be, um, you know, like a stress ball, stress ball as a parent. Um, it could be your yoga mat. It could be your running shoes. Like for me, oh my gosh, exercise is massive for me. Even cleaning is actually yes. a way that I can process emotions because I just start going nuts with cleaning and, um, and it gives me a second to just feel through it. And then the biggest thing I would say is you got to get supported in a program with a coach that will help you uh, move through the emotion. Because a lot of times that healing thing that you talked about earlier, like you, you got you to have the tools to, to know how to do that, um, to actually have a, a feeling move all the way through you without reacting to it. Like anger, for example, doesn't always need to be expressed, but learning how to feel anger without expressing it is a very new journey for many of us. And you will need support throughout on how to do that until you master it. That's beautiful. So in your classes, people are able to find support from other parents who are going through the same thing. Oh my gosh. We have 10 countries now all over the world. And everybody is like, every time someone posts a question, it's like for sure. There's never crickets. It's There's always never like, crickets. Oh, me too. And what's so cool is we, the members that have been there for a while, they start to then coach the other members. And then of course we have our certified positive parenting staff that coaches too. But, um, but yeah, oh my gosh, it's so universal. You guys, there's like everybody and everybody has different things. Right. But at the same time, there's always someone that our members are like, oh my gosh, that resonates with me so much, especially when we do any of like the healing life coaching stuff that we bring into our programs. Because Have you found like, that there's been more engagement in the year 2020 and 2021 than previously? Are people really desperate right now? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Um, 2020, I feel like my mind was a little not, because it's been, so here's what I'll say about that. Building this business for the last three years, so online, learning platform, online courses, podcast, educator, coach, like my journey to become a coach and a life coach was kind of like, cool. It was awesome. But then learning how to build a business. Oh my gosh, it kicked my butt. So 2020 kicked my butt a little bit as far as like the way my mindset was around the business and the overwhelm of it. And that I feel like got in the way a little bit. Um, just because I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? The kids are home all the time and I have no more like you know, it does, we have a big business now to run. And so I think um, the second half of 2020 was kind of like, we were just stoked to be serving our current members, you know, like, yes, engagement has always been high, but in long story short, in 2021, I went a little bit deeper with my own mindset training, my own support, because even your greatest coaches out there, the people you look up to the most, most remember everybody's on their own journey and everybody has to do their work. Once I cleared some um, scarcity stuff that I had going on, oh my gosh, our last opening of our membership was on fire, on fire. And right now our membership group and, and our foundations course enrollment is, is off the roof, off the charts now. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. I mean, I can see why just listening to you and all the insight that you have to offer. Do you tell me about your relationship with your children today? And I can oh. imagine it's something that you want other people to have, which is why you do what you do. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is going to make me cry, but let's see if I can do it without crying is good. By the way, you guys don't think crying is weak. Crying uh, is strong. It's just no. emotion. A lot of times my, my crying these days is joy and I love it. 
So, oh my gosh. So my daughter is now 13, the same one that was my strong-willed. Um, she's an angel to our family, to me, to the world, because she has been my biggest catalyst for change. So to this day, she's in the same strong-willed, feisty, amazing young woman now. She's taller than me. And wow. I would definitely say she's one of my best friends. So she messes with me. She makes fun of me. And <laughs> But we are so close. We have such a strong relationship. Every single problem that needs to be worked through, um, we work through with dignity with one another. She's often the one that walks me off the ledge. I forget what it was. It just happened the other night. Something, it was yesterday, something happened where she was like, Mom, calm down, take a deep breath. Remember, like, that's this, amazing. This, this is, you know, like, just have a second, show me some empathy and think about where I am. And I was like, so she's really become like a mini educator. She teaches the kids within our programs. She's a star athlete. She's volleyball drummer. I just love her so much, but our relationship is so strong. And a lot of that strength has come out of really intense, compassionate discipline moments or us holding really strong to firm limits, like her being the only girl in her group um, of girlfriends that does not have an iPhone. She's, um, you know, it's just been one of those things that we've had to, we've wanted to remain really strong on. And from that, it strengthens our relationship. But yeah, she's amazing. She's just fully like intrinsically motivated. The way she talks to her friends, the way she handles it with like conflict with her friends. They ask her all the time if they can have her homework. She's like a straight A student and she knows how to say no with confidence, like without offending them. Like it's just so cool to watch. And then my little guy is just like my, my heart and soul. He's like the most sensitive and strong like athletic, but incredibly kind, just like his daddy, loves to snuggle at night. Um, marriage is doing incredibly well. I just, it's, I, I pinch myself most days because there are, there are days, don't get me wrong, you guys, there are days where we have our rough moments or we go to bed and everyone's annoyed at each other or, you know, like it happens. Of course. But for the most part, we are wildly connected. And I just look at the like, the life skills these kids have, not because I did anything, but just because I've been blessed with a way to step back and just be able to mentor where I needed to, but trust in the humanity of who they are and who God has designed them to be. And to just watch it unfold is beautiful. Well, you told me that one of the things that brought you and your daughter closer was your really strong, compassionate discipline moments. What yeah. is a strong, oh. compassionate discipline moment? So this is where maybe a mistake gets made and um and instead of bringing in shame and scolding and disconnection you bring in teaching and empathy and firm firm limits so i'll give you a quick example so one of the nights i just actually brought this up i had it um in a webinar that i taught the other day this this note that she left me afterwards and this was one of those pivotal moments but she uh i dropped her off she's a drummer i dropped her off at band and um, I had told her that I wasn't okay with her crossing the street in a certain area. She likes to get pizza with her friends and then go over to BAM. They have to practice in the parking lot still with mask on, but hey, they're making it work. And, um, and I told her that, and then I went over, I'm like the safety Karen. I'm like, so I'm big on I think I'm a safety Karen too. Oh my gosh. Seriously. There yeah. was a little, like I have reasons. Yeah. We all have reasons why, but it's good yeah. to be a safety Karen. So I went over to the parking lot. I parked where she couldn't see me. And sure enough, she um, 
peer pressure, all the 12 year old kids, they just crossed right in this area that I knew was like a deadly area. If, and you know, some idiot kid is texting and takes a right turn and could kill her. And so I was so mad. And you think about like traditional stuff, right? And so I could have like, like pulled over right away and embarrassed her and shamed her, made her get in the car and lecture her and yell at her. Or I could have punished her and not had her go to pizza again for a month. She could have been grounded from going to pizza. I could have not let her hang out with those kids because those, those kids are not good listeners. There's a bad influence sheltering, like all these choices, right? And I was like, heck no, I'm going to teach this kid how to have self-control when everybody else is like, come on, it's cool. We're doing it. And I'm going to teach my girl to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk over five steps. So anyways, she came home that night and I was like, Hey, we need to talk. And, um, it turned into like this big thing of massive tears of like, mom, it's so hard to be a teenager. Um, you know, you have such strong rules and boundaries and like none of my kids, like none of the other kids have that. They're allowed to cross the street wherever. They're allowed to have as much time on their iPhone as they want, any app that they want. And I just got to be with her. I got to work through it. We talked for probably like an hour and a half that night at bedtime. And I stayed firm. I taught her like, this is the reasons why. And I know like blah, blah, blah. And then I said, and we're going to need to do a redo because you're capable. You are capable of doing this. And what you're going to find kiddo is that you love, I know you love to feel powerful because she's a strong-willed kid. And you're going to feel that sense of power when you just say to your, your girlfriends, like, Hey guys, I'm going to walk at the crosswalk. Like I don't want to get hit by a car. And then you're going to do it and you're going to go over and they're going to be like, Hey, and they're going to meet you there, or they're going to follow you. And you're going to tap into this sense of power. And you're going to be like, dang, that feels good. Right. So like I, I mentor, mentor, mentor. And then, um, so we agree to this. So the next week, um, actually back up that, that second night I was teaching, I came home and I found this note on my, um, my dresser. And it basically was handwritten by her. And it said something to the effect of like, mom, thank you so much for everything that you do for me. Thank you so much for caring so deeply and for teaching me how to help myself and others. Um, she said, uh, you, I want to be just like you when I grow up. Thank you for loving me so much. And um, I just love you so much or something. And it was well, like, that's like every yeah. parent's dream. Every parent's dream, right? And it was yeah. after this compassionate discipline moment. And, and then the next week when I dropped her off at practice, I did the same thing. I was like, you know, see you later. And I went somewhere where she couldn't see me and she did it. She did it, you she know, it. and it's like, we've never have to worry about it again um, because it was done with compassion and connection and empathy. I even got to share with her, like, I remember being a teen. I remember like making mistakes. Like it doesn't make you an alien. It doesn't mean you're bad. And I'm telling you, you will not cross that street in that area. It's not I will happen. not give up. <laughs> I will not give up. When you no. told her why she doesn't have a phone when all of her friends do at 13, what were your reasons? Oh my gosh, Laura, we could have a whole nother episode on this girl. Totally um, give me the brief answer and maybe we will. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, in my opinion, uh, and I don't know if you ever um, followed Colin Karchner, do you ever follow I've him? Heard of, I've heard of him. Mm, yeah, yeah, he unexpectedly he pass passed away? away this year. Yes. It's like, I still am shocked because he was literally changing the world. He was like an angel that we must have just borrowed for a while on earth. But 
oh, it's heartbreaking, but um, he, he really did so much education around the detrimental effects of kids being tethered to their devices from a young age. And so um, it's like, that's all it takes, right? Is for one person to influence you. Uh, when I watched the film Race to Nowhere, it really influenced me on how to support my children through um, their public ed education journey, but he really influenced me. So it has to do with um, kids are a lot at higher risk for mental health problems, depression, suicide, anxiety. Um, studies have shown, and I know that they will continue to have more and more studies, that the, all those things definitely went up as soon as the iPhone was created. And so when you give a child these devices from a very young age and their brain is developing, um, it's like signing them up for to be at risk for all these things so and also i want my child to be able to, to develop social skills um, the ability to feel boredom in a conversation when you're at a sleepover with your friends and like there's a natural break in a conversation when you fill that with constant like stimulation i believe it will lead to higher anxiety higher stress um, overwhelm irritation, um, and then not knowing what to do with that. So there's a social side, there's um, comparison that is plaguing our young women these days. So once she gets to high school, I'm like, cool, you've got the, the self-control skills. I've mentored you, you've been building them up and now she'll be good to go once she gets to high school. But I just don't believe in, in um, giving them to our children from a young age. And if anyone wants to know what you can give your kids, it's a Gab Wireless. A Gab Wireless. Yeah, I'm sure other like people iPhone. know what that is. I've never heard of it, but it looks like an iPhone. And you it looks just like an iPhone and it has text and phone. So for those people who are like, yeah, but I got to get a hold of my kid. I hear you. Just give them, give them a Gab Wireless. And the earlier you set those limits, like my, my kids have never been allowed to have devices in their room. They won't question it, but you got to set it early. Like you for your girls, set it, um, set it really early and then you'll be good to go. And, and explain and it ahead of time. And you will have to hold very firm and be, uh, be able to be the outcast because I'm telling you the rewards are massive when um, you listen to your heart and you do what you want to do as a parent, as opposed to keeping up with the Joneses. Well, funny story. My four and a half year old, I guess, asked my husband a few months ago when she was going to get a phone. Yeah. And I think he said 14 and she comes up to me and goes, you know, I asked daddy when I was going to be able to get a phone and he said 14 and you said I have to be a hundred. So which one is it? And I said, well, it's something in the middle. And I, I'm happy to hear you think it's 14 as well. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come down a little bit. Um, but I think you're right. I think high school, they do, they have those regulation skills that they don't have as much in middle school. Yeah. If you've been building them, right? Like you if have you've to been, have been building, building them. them, right? Yeah. You have to the, have been building the, them. And maybe some people listening will be building them with you because um, I think after this episode, a lot of people are going to be interested in some of your classes, which are available at mm. freshstartfamilyonline.com. Wendy, I could talk to you for a hundred years. So I know that this is not going to be our last time talking. Um, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and insight that you gave us today. I was such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Laura. I knew it was going to be fun talking to you. I had so much fun. And yes, listeners, I have so many free resources for you. Go grab the free guide to raising strong-willed kids. Hopefully, Laura, you can put that in the show notes. I have I will. a free one-hour class about how to handle power struggles with kids. And I'm always offering free resources. Free resources. Come find me on over on Instagram, Fresh Start Wendy, and over on the website. I can't wait to connect with you all. And for everything Wendy's mentioned on this episode, they will be available in the show notes. Thank you all again for joining me. I'm your host, Laura Max Rose, and you've been listening to Look Ma, No Hands. 
Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom, 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 mom.